Welcome to Lesson Impossible, an exploration of educational innovation. I'm your host, Aviva Levin. As always, I'm chatting with educators of all types who are on the forefront of pedagogy, are making effective changes to old practices. Your lesson, should you choose to accept it, is to consider a new resource, Classcraft, an app that fosters social-emotional development and personalized learning through gaming principles. The resource specialist assigned to help you with this task is Sean Young. Welcome to another installment of the Meet the Resources series, where I feature the educational equivalent of gecko gloves, smart contacts, or flute guns. Technology that has been created to make your impossible lessons actually possible. A reminder that Lesson Impossible receives no compensation for featuring resources, just the satisfaction of knowing that somewhere a student might be more engaged in their learning, or a teacher might be able to leave work a little bit earlier. One of the many things that the Amazon search algorithm knows about me is that if you show me a book with a woman holding a sword, especially if that sword is on fire, I will likely buy it. So when I heard about Classcraft and then realized I could be teaching a class full of sword-wielding warriors, I was definitely intrigued. Of course, there's more to this resource than just creating avatars. And Sean was willing to talk to me about the innovation he originally created for his own students, which has grown to be used in over 160 countries worldwide. We chatted about the evolution of Classcraft, how SEL, social-emotional learning, strategies are incorporated into its framework, And Sean responded to some possible concerns educators might have about using a digital game in their classrooms. We also talked about two big underlying factors in the structure of Classcraft, PBIS and gamification, which I thought were worth defining for those that might be unfamiliar with these terms. Firstly, PBIS, or Positive Behavioral Interventions and Supports, is when schools outline behavioral expectations and reward students for modeling that behavior. While the idea of extrinsic motivation creating long-lasting change seemed counterintuitive to me, I found numerous studies showing positive improvements for school culture, as well as evidence it may decrease racially disproportionate discipline, though the conclusions around increased academic achievement are mixed. Secondly, gamification, which was one of the topics of last week's episode with Agent Batsheva Frankel, is when learning is facilitated by using the elements of games that make them so fun and addictive. The use of gamification in schools is a comparatively new field of research, but a survey of the current literature shows strong support for it improving students' engagement in their learning. So armed with your new vocabulary, and maybe your own flaming sword, let's meet a new resource. All right, so I have Sean Young from Classcraft here today. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me and the listeners. My pleasure. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Maybe just start off with a brief description of what is Classcraft and how is it a resource for teachers? Absolutely. So uh, just in way of background, uh, my name is Sean Young. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Classcraft, but I was a, before that, was a teacher in the classroom for 10 years. I was also an instructional coach and a pre-service teacher, and I built Classcraft in my own classroom to to build a sense of community in my students. I was teaching AP Physics and uh, really wanted my 
uh, students to see meaning in school, but also connect to one another more deeply and just generally feel more motivated. Classcraft is really that. It's a it's a platform that in an approach really that uses the culture of gaming and the mechanics of gaming to uh, allow teachers to rethink their classroom in a way that drives intrinsic motivation for learners. So in Classcraft, kids will um, have avatars and they will earn points and they will level up and they earn points for a variety of things, but mostly for uh, exhibiting positive behaviors. So people that are familiar with PBIS will understand immediately, you know, good behaviors, net dollars. Well, in Classcraft, it's a little bit different because the points are, aren't the reward. The progress and leveling up and unlocking powers and helping your team, these are all the rewards, the same types of intrinsically motivating rewards that we see in video games. I loved this idea of being able to wave my wand and say points to Gryffindor, uh, which has always been a dream of mine. But it seems very much like that house with the points and being connected and having an identity around a smaller team within a larger team seems to be on, on the same track there. Yeah, exactly. And and honestly, I think that like when when we look at uh, you know Harry Potter and what they're doing, it's a pretty competitive experience. And in Classcraft, we've really um, looked more at the game like experiences that exist in say MMORPGs like World of Warcraft, for example, which aren't uh, that competitive. It's more about team building and working together as a team to defeat a dungeon, defeat a monster, and that's really how we're approaching it here. But but you're correct in saying that you know teachers that use Classcraft can definitely have that same feeling of you know you get a hundred points <laughs> and you get a hundred points, and and really that's best practice, right? Because when you think about it, you know how do you get kids to change their behavior? Um, there's a ton of research that shows that positive reinforcement works a lot more effectively than negative reinforcements and, and that we should actually be doing a lot more of it than what's happening in classrooms. And so Classcraft in a lot of ways is, is a high five system. Like, hey, good job. Here's a high five. What we do is we make the high fives digital and we make them meaningful because, you know, games now are the predominant form of culture for young people all over the world. You know, it's not just a fad. It's literally, you know, in 2005, games overtook film as the most popular grossing cultural medium. And so for 15 years, the predominant cultural medium has been games. And that's, you know, for the entirety of the lives of of kids that are in K-12 today. So I was wondering if you could walk me through, I'm a teacher that hasn't used Classcraft before, and maybe I haven't even really integrated technology too much into my daily lessons. How would I go about reconfiguring my idea around lesson planning or day planning when I integrate Classcraft in? So the the first thing to consider is that Classcraft is a toolbox of um, different elements, different pieces that all work together to um, you know make your classroom feel like a game. But what that means is that you don't have to do everything or use everything until you're comfortable. And so at the very minimal, smallest experience of what Classcraft can be, it's give kids high fives, as I was saying. So for a teacher that isn't very tech savvy or, you know, is overwhelmed, all we're asking you to do is press one big yellow button and give kids what are called experience points. Uh, You may not know what experience points are. It doesn't matter. Kids know what they are. They know that it levels them up. Uh, It's like that in so many games. And so, 
define behaviors that you want to see in your classroom. In some cases, it's just classroom management type behaviors like participate well or stay on task. But we've actually created a whole set of different standards for different contexts. So for example, in distance learning, uh, one of the big challenges we have in motivating and engaging with kids is they don't know how to be good distance learners. We've never taught them that. We've taught them how to be good brick and mortar students. And so in Classcraft, we'll have pre-made configurations where it's you'll get points for showing up on time to a video lesson or connecting with other students to do coursework, contributing to your learning community. So basically what we're able to do is help teachers define a set of behaviors and then just give kids points for that. That's it. Now, as you grow comfortable with the platform, um, there's a lot happening under the hood. So kids are leveling up, they're unlocking pets, they're unlocking gear for their characters, they are unlocking powers, powers like being able to hand in homework late, you know, eat in class in a traditional setting. So things that allow them to have more control over their day-to-day life. If you want to go beyond that, you can start using different tools that we've built in to do things like start your class every day with a random event. And random events will be things like uh, everybody has to speak like a pirate for the rest of the class, or everybody has to say meow at the end of their sentences, or everybody has to call each other my lord and my lady for the duration of the class. They're pre build in the platform, but you can create your own. You can have students create them. Another example is there's a system called Kudos where kids can give each other points by writing each other nice messages. The teacher vets them and once it's approved, both kids get points for one for receiving a kudo because they exhibited positive behavior, but the other one for seeing it in others as well. And so there's eight or 10 different class tools like that that teachers can use as they get more comfortable with the with the platform. And then the last element is quests. So teachers can take their curriculum and bring it into Classcraft, put it on a map and create learning journeys for students uh, with branching pathways and story-driven narratives. They can connect it to Google Classroom, pull in all their assignments from Google Classroom, pull in quizzes as well to move kids at their own pace by assessing through quizzes, et cetera. So there's a, there's a whole curriculum authoring engine. We don't provide curriculum but there's a community of teachers. There was thousands of indexed quests that have been made by teachers and published in our marketplace that are available. So you can d- take those, remix them, reshare them, et cetera. So there's really like three levels. There's like the introductory level of, hey, just give kids digital high fives. Then there's engage with them more using all the different tools. And then there's bring in your curriculum and, you know, in effect, completely run your classroom as a game. Yeah, I I have to say that the one that intrigued me the most was you have illustrated story mode. And so there's storylines for the quests and there's all of these graphics. And that just, I don't know, that really piqued my curiosity and definitely would have motivated me as a student. Are those only offered in English or do you have other languages that the stories are in? For now, they're only in English. It's a surprisingly complex challenge to write these stories uh, because they're written in the second person. We made them all about SEL themes. So we have SEL experts that work with the story writers and, and they're all illustrated and they need to be structured in a way that teachers can break them up too. Because they're built with like with the idea of like you can use them in a in a quest that has six different 
learning activities, but if you have seven or eight, maybe you want to break up the story. So, so right now we have, uh, we've released uh, over the course of this school year, season one. That's a really surprisingly robust amount of quests. There's 21 stories that teachers can apply curriculum into and, and they all follow the, like there's a sequence and, and the themes of the stories are about discovery, relatedness to others, you know, self-management, different castle competencies are baked into this fantasy storyline. So it only exists in English for now, but you can edit it. I mean, if you wanted to translate it or do voiceover or et cetera, you can totally do that. You talked about you're using the SEL castle standards. And is that why you went for sort of like a medieval-ish styling in the story? Or was that just a coincidence? Well, the Classcraft universe is, there's a universe, like the stories are part of a world and the maps of the quests are part of a world. And there's actually a wiki, If like kids can go to classcraft.com slash story and read up on what's this monster, what's the type of monster here, where do they live, what's their habitat. There's a whole universe under the hood in Classcraft. And at the outset, we, we picked a fantasy theme for, for multiple reasons. The first one is fantasy themes give you a lot of creative latitude you can you can create whatever type of monster you want you can create worlds and and there's no you know you're not attached to let's say reality if we'd set the the universe in i don't know 19th century london well that's a pretty constrained universe the second piece is just cultural relevance you know when i was growing up i was into fantasy but i was a nerd now we live in a world where, you know, the one of the most popular franchises for kids is Harry Potter and probably the most popular franchise for adults is Game of Thrones. Fantasy is not fringe anymore. It's totally mainstream across all age groups. It also allowed us to create a broader set of diversity of characters. We care a lot about equity and diversity at Classcraft. Games are, are tremendously equitable medium because of access, but also because you can represent yourself in games pretty easily. And so we wanted to to use a fantasy theme to to be able to to allow for that as well. Originally you t- you talked about, you know, being in your classroom, adding those gamification elements. How did it evolve to a much larger thing that it is? Oh man, that's one. That's uh, quite the ride. Uh, what happened was uh, while I was teaching, I was also a freelance web developer and app developer, and was working mostly with my brother, who's based in New York City. And so he's a he's a creative director. He would get us big clients, um, and he'd built his own boutique firm over there, and was you know hiring me to do programming work. So teacher by day, programmer by night. And over that same 10-year period where I was teaching, you know, we we worked for clients like Chanel for three years, building all kinds of interactive websites and applications for them. And so when I had the idea, I kind of, I already had the chops to just build it. And it was really just going to be for myself. I mean, as a, as a, as a programmer teacher, I'd already built tons of tools for myself. I had a, I had a tool to like grade faster. I had a tool to like hack into our SIS and input student comments faster. I was like saving myself lots of time. And so I had the idea for Classcraft, just built it. It was a very bare bones versus what we have now, of course. Didn't even have graphics. It was looked more like an interactive spreadsheet than, you know, a 
the video game like experience that it is now. And after three years of that, I was like, wow, this is really effective. Like I'd been tweaking it with my students and it had really transformed the way they related to the class. And so I bit, I'm like, I'll just make a little website so that other teachers can, you know, be inspired and maybe make their own game. And the day that website went online, 130,000 people came to the website just overnight. It started trending on Reddit. And so there's a ton of traffic. And by the end of that week, 250,000 people had come to the website. On the Monday, the BBC called to do an interview on like the future of games and education. And it was just like, oh my God, what's like this thing's blowing up? And people were like, how do I download your game? I'm like, you can't. There's no company. There's no like, this is this is just my own thing. You needed to code lines of code to give kids points. I'm like, there's no way another person could actually use this. And so we, you know, fast forward a few months, my brother Devin and I, we by then had like 20,000 teachers on a waiting list that wanted to use the platform. And, and there was no platform. Uh, so so we, we got a grant. I'm based in Canada. So we got a grant from the Canadian government and started the company. So fast forward six years. Now we're working with 8 million kids. We're in 165 countries. We're working all over the United States. Obviously, uh, COVID has made more evident that we have a motivation crisis in education. You know, it's always been the case, but uh, in distance learning, if kids aren't connecting to online activities or participating, that's a proxy for attendance, really. As we're going into this next school year, we're really anticipating that we're going to have a huge crisis of mental health and student engagement. In that context, a lot of people have been coming to us to to help them Think about what effective distance learning looks like. What does what does healthy, motivating, and fun distance learning look like? Which is not something a lot of people have many answers to right now. I was wondering if I could run by some critiques that I can imagine some of my colleagues having and what your response to those would be. All right, bring it on, Aviva. <laughs> <laughs> so the first would be that do we really want to give kids even more screen time even more focus into an imaginary world when, you know, there's a crisis where their eyes are going to turn square because of all the iPads they're looking at. Uh, I think that's a valid concern. I mean, I think that we don't feel particularly a part of that problem because Classcraft is not a video game. It is not a 3D experience that kids go through. Um, and in fact, we even have schools, we have schools in Madagascar, for example, where the kids never log into Classcraft and they're still playing Classcraft. The teacher just has it up on a projector and is running the experience themselves. The whole point of Classcraft is to uh, impact real life. Like, how do you get points in Classcraft? It's by doing things and showing up in real life, right? You get points for participating, for showing empathy, for doing your work on time, for being uh, respectful to your peers, these are not things that happen in a video game or on screen time. These are things that happen in real life. Now, what we are doing is taking the culture of games and the design of games that foster intrinsic motivation to get kids to care about doing this in real life. Ideally, we they would already care, but you know that's not the case. We we need to design experiences where they feel self-motivated to to be better learners and and using the culture and mechanics of games is a, is a really effective way to do that. 
that said, you know, I'm kind of bypassing the question by saying, hey, we don't do more screen time. My my personal stance on screen time is uh, we do need to be concerned with it. On the other hand, screen time in and of itself is it's just a medium. I mean, I've, I read a novel every three weeks, probably. I haven't read a paper book in a decade, but I'm reading more books than most people I know. You know, is is that a problem? You know, another another critique we see of of screen time is you know kids are sedentary when they're on a screen, but you know that's a that's a values thing because when we look at similar experience, let's say reading a book, hey, my child spent three hours reading a novel today. Would any parent see that as a problem? Probably not. They'd be like so glad that their child is reading, and in fact, that's just as sedentary an activity as playing a video game. We value different sedentary activities differently. I don't think the medium is the problem here. The The issue is what are kids doing on screens and how do we value those activities versus other activities? You've already, I think, touched on my next thing, which is about, you know, the technological divide that is usually based on home resources that students have and what they can afford in terms of technology or what their school district can afford. You've mentioned that there is a way to do it when only the teacher has access to, to technology. So, I mean, we designed it that way in the first place. Uh, it's only later that we added features where you know kids would have lots of things they could do logging in. But the initial design, I mean, when I was using it in my classroom for three years, kids didn't even have accounts. Like it was just, I was running it. So, because ultimately Classcraft is about pedagogy, not about technology. I think that we uh, quite often, ed tech is built technology first and pedagogy second. Uh, But Classcraft is very much pedagogy first. And so we're concerned about what are the reactions between students? How are they relating to one another? When you build a tool like Kudos, what you're thinking about isn't how do I you know, get technology in the classroom or you're not thinking with like, oh, technology is so great. You're saying, how can I get kids to write each other messages and celebrate each other's success? And that could be a paper-based activity. And in fact, you know, we, we did it in our own company between our staff on paper for a long time. It just happens that it's easier to manage digitally. But uh, we're we're very often designing with the intention that a lot of the stuff can happen without kids needing to access their device. That said, I mean, I think that access is an issue, and and I think that there's a there's definitely an equity problem in terms of access to quality devices through quality education, and it's our role. I think it's not just the role of districts, but it's actually the role of society to collectively see access to the internet as as a fundamental right. In this day and age, not being able to access the internet is a, you know, a huge disadvantage. And then the last one that I'll throw at you is that we've had a, a big push in the last five years towards SEL, social emotional learning in the classroom And there's so many programs out there that you can implement. But one of the things that I kind of struggle with is this kind of one size fits all model where the basics obviously are going to be the same, but so much is unique about every classroom. Like how does class craft allow any type of personalization in that respect? 
Oh my God. I love this question. This is, our, this is, <laughs> this is where we really shine. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I think that like, you know, a word about SEL is it's, it's been very, uh, it's been used a lot, uh, that term and is pretty loosely defined. There's a lot of different frameworks and, and a lot of different approaches to what SEL is. And part of the global collective for UNESCO in terms of using SEL and digital tools. So we're been working recently on, on even coming on to a consensus worldwide about what SEL is. So this is obviously not a question that we'll answer today or resolve, but one thing is clear is SEL is about developing certain skills, right? And skills like, for example, uh, relating to others properly or identifying and managing your own emotions, which ever framework you have, it's all ultimately about developing these skills in young people. And we've taken very broadly in in SEL approaches, the same old approaches we've been using across education, which is going curriculum first. There's a place for curriculum in SEL instruction, and, and I think it's important. On the other hand, we've really indexed poorly on skill development in real time in real contexts. So, you know, here's an example. What does SEL education look like in math class? Right. Or what does it look like uh, when you're, um, you know, a, a, an English language learner? Ultimately, to be able to develop these skills in, in young people, we need to be able to catch them while they're doing it and reinforce positive behaviors. And so when you think of any skill, there's a set of observable behaviors that you could identify. For example, empathy. What does that look like? What what does empathy look like in, in real time? Well, it means listening when somebody is talking and being able to relate to what they're saying, for example. How does, a, how does a kid know when to do that, how to do that? How do we know if they're doing that? And, and the way to, to do that is continuous development and assessment. And so in real time, giving them high fives or in class graph, giving them experience points. And so it's a skills-based approach, which is universal to all SEL frameworks. And in doing that, what we're able to do is say, hey, you're using Castle, you know, here are a set of behaviors you should look out for. And as you students do them, give them points and you'll be developing them. You'll also be assessing them because you'll be able to see which kids are exhibiting those behaviors versus, versus which ones aren't. Or, hey, you want to use the ruler approach from Yale? Like, go ahead. You're a set of competencies with behaviors and give them points for these behaviors. Or you want to use leader and me? No problem. So ultimately, or hey, you know what, Aviva, you can just use your own version of SEL that you made up that you care about for your own classroom. The things kids get points for in Classcraft is completely customizable. Ultimately, it's a, you're right, it's a it's a singular approach in the sense that, hey, we have a tier one approach to behavior intervention, which is give kids points for specific behaviors. But what those behaviors are and what you're defining as SEL can be completely integrated into Classcraft and customized. 
I would add that we've added as well for districts and, and school licenses, the possibility to attach specific behaviors to specific kids as well. So you could, for example, take a, a student with an IEP and, you know, they have strategies towards, let's say, anger management. They have anger management issues. Here's your strategy. I want you to count to 10 every time, you know, you get angry and, the behavior teams can put that in Classcraft and it will automatically populate to that student's account so that the teacher, when they give them points, they can give that student points for that specific behavior that they are struggling with. And so there's there's universal behaviors that are customized at the school and teacher level. And then there's individual behaviors that, that can be reinforced that are specifically targeting the challenges and struggles that the child has. So... It's a bit of a long answer, but it's a, it's also a complex question. So you mentioned that there's different levels, like a district license. There's a, a free basic that anyone can sign up for, and then tiers that go go up, I'm assuming, unlocking more and more levels going deeper, um, as well as, interestingly enough, uh, federal funding available. So yeah, what is your pricing model, and how did you determine what that pricing model would be? Totally. Well, it was important for us to have a free teacher offering. I mean, I'm, as a teacher myself and being prevented from using the best stuff because we didn't have budget was a <laughs> ongoing frustration for me. So we wanted to make sure that we had a really robust free offering that didn't have a time limit, which we do. I'm proud to say there's thousands, tens of thousands of teachers just using the free version. Then there's a paid teacher version. Again, we didn't want to hamstring teachers. And so teachers are able to use class funds or use PTA funds to get a single teacher license that unlocks more game, more tools, more stuff. And then ultimately, where we've seen the most impact and, and this is impact like seeing an 85% reduction of referrals across a whole middle school and as, as fast as three months of implementing Classcraft is when it's school-wide or district-wide. And so that's a different, that's a per-student price. And there we have, you know, things like very simple rostering, connections with the SIS, data analytics for behavioral teams where they can see which behaviors and identify students that are at risk. We have ready-made configurations that populates straight to all the teachers. So it really takes out a lot of the configuration work that a single teacher would have to do, while at the same time ensuring maximum impact because all the teachers are giving points for similar things to the same kids. And so that's more of your vision of, of Harry Potter <laughs> <laughs> is when we're, when we're running it school-wide. Awesome. Well, that's all my questions. Is there anything that you wanted to add about Classcraft that you think teachers should know? Absolutely. Um, a few things. First of all, you can sign up for a free account. Go to classcraft.com. Second of all, do not be intimidated by the game stuff. Even if you don't know much about games, your kids really do, and they will want to help you. Uh, time and again, we, we have testimonials from teachers saying, I wasn't too sure, but then the kids knew all how it worked automatically, and then we just got into it. So don't be afraid to start, and start small. You don't have to do everything that's in Classcraft right away. You know, Just give kids points, reinforce positive behaviors, define with them what your expectations are, and you will see change. 
it is incredible the level of excitement and motivation that kids bring to to a classroom that that's running on Classcraft. So don't be afraid to try it. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your resource uh, with me and the listeners. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Aviva. I really appreciate being a part of your podcast. That was another Meet a Resource episode with Sean Young of Classcraft, an app to engage students with their learning through digital tools and gaming strategies. This episode will not self-destruct in five seconds, but will be available along with links to resources we mentioned and information about previous special agents at LessonImpossible.com. Now, if you like the podcast, please consider forwarding it to your colleagues or reading and reviewing it on your podcast listening app. This has been Lesson Impossible, and I was your host, Aviva Levin.